Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm Carlene Savage, conflict resolution expert, founder of the Savage Theory of Resolution and your host. And we're doing a part four Q&A on my husband with his brain injury and what that actually looks like. There's been a lot of questions, so I'm here to stand for it. Again, a little disclaimer. Keep in mind that in 1994, when he suffered his brain injury, um, there wasn't the experience, the understanding. There's no support. There was no deep dive. It was, uh, hey... He's got an injury. Good luck. Bye-bye. <laughs> anyway, so as you hear some of these answers to the Q&As, um, just keep in mind, you know, a lot of people today sit there and go, well, why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do that? Well, because it wasn't there. And we didn't have, you know, back in the early 90s, you didn't even have, we barely had an internet. Um and AOL was the th the thing. So keep in mind, we didn't have, you know, this, this internet surfing and all this information, and we didn't have, you know, resources at our fingertips. We were still, you know, working through, you know, phones that were on the wall, you know, or, you know, on a counter someplace and working through some of those things. So, and then I had life. So anyway, let's, uh, Look at this now. What's the next question? Um, is he at risk for seizures, depression, or other mental health issues associated with his condition? Absolutely. Um, one of them is dementia, Alzheimer's, but it seems like dementia and Alzheimer's is like a thing. It's almost everybody goes through it, so he's not isolated to, to somebody, but they definitely have a higher risk of it. Depression, um, I really have to give just kind of a real clear view. Depression, doesn't look like crying all the time. Depression, somebody can look perfectly normal and be happy and they're they're seriously depressed. So he will tell you he was never depressed. But when we went to go see counselors and periodically throughout our relationship, when my back was against the wall, I'd say, you better get to a counselor or I'm walking out. Um, and so, you know, I would coax him, compel him, um, but get him to a counselor. And when we would go, the counselors would say, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, you're not depressed, but you are. And, and it's because, you know, you isolate, um, you stay dark, meaning like he could, he could sleep all day and, or he gets kind of, dialed into just focusing on one thing and one thing only. And it's usually something that has to do with something negative. So he'll dial in and watch, you know, a million YouTube videos on that topic and just really gather and muster up all his negativity. <laughs> so, and it was interesting because this one counselor, we got him into a, what do you call it? psychiatrist a psychologist referred us over to a psychiatrist we got on some medications and he did a flip he took those medications and within a few days he was like a completely different person and he ended up stop he didn't start or he stopped taking those because he said that it didn't have the same impact so he was not feeling the same way and so he didn't want to keep increasing his doses and 
take more and more and more. So he quit. <laughs> and even though he had it, he would hide it and not take his medications. So, but it was very different. But again, like I said, it's not that he's crying all the time. It's not that kind of a depression. Um, depression is the, in different realms, it shows up differently. And for him, it shows up in kind of isolation and a negativity, a feeding of the negativity. Um, and some other things that the counselor saw. And so, yep, he has that seizures he has, but it's interesting because it's not what other people think. So I remember one time, and I, and I've done it before. I mean, it shows up, uh, it shows up, it's shown up many times throughout this experience. And I, but I remember this one time in particular, and I went to a doctor and I said, what is that? Where he was just staring and I was talking to him and he was just staring like past me. And I was, of course, offended because <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. And I was like, what is the matter with you? Why aren't you did it? And that's how, you know, la, 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 la. and so when we went to the doctor, I would explain, you know, what, you know, the, here's one of his problems. Here's what he's doing. And they said, oh, that's a seizure. And I thought, oh, I thought seizures were when you flop on the ground, you know, you fall off a chair or you fall off of something and you're flopping and shaking on the ground and you just out of control and it's not. So when he gets in those modes where he just is locked in on something, you know, if you're part of a the SEAL team, right? If you're part of a SEAL team, a high intensity job where you have to have laser focus. That's kind of what it looks like, except that there's not action going on behind those, that stare. He's just staring. And so that's a seizure, which is so interesting to me. And again, um, without these questions, I've totally forgotten about a lot of this stuff. So that's interesting. Yeah. There's, um, are there any medications that are recommended as part of the treatment plan? Yeah, there are now, but keep in mind that you have to listen. The medical field is going to feed you all these medications, which is fine and helpful. But if the patient doesn't take them, they will hide them. They will figure out their own way around if that's any, you know, if that's not what they want to do. And that can become more problematic to find out that they're hiding or that they're because it depends on their background. I mean, they could sell those medications if they were, you know, if that were a thing for them, um, or they could uh, accumulate them and use them for ill will, use them as, you know, ways to uh, cause self-harm and that kind of thing. So it's, for me, it's more important that I listen and pay attention to how his opinion is on this medication he doesn't like taking the medication because it also reminds him that he's got a problem. He doesn't want to be one of those people. So I had to figure out the balance. And that is, can we try it? <clears throat> and let's see how it goes. Now we've tried medications that they put them on and I don't remember what they were, but I remember it knocked him out. 
He'd sleep for three days, get up to maybe, you know, to go to the bathroom. He'd sleep. He was out of it, so out of it, dead, gone, tired, sleeping. And he, he got up after three days and ate and then went back to bed for another three days. And when he, when it finally wore off, you know, we, we changed dosages. We did all this, the testing and he said, yeah, no, thank you. He goes, I'm not going to see anything in life if I do this. And it's interesting because he did that. And then years later, we put him on another medication and he didn't even know who the people were that were around him. So that was really interesting. That whole wake up thing on that medication. So there are different medications, but I'm going to say for me, we, I had to listen to him too. Look, he's got a brain injury. Nothing's going to change that. We can respond to some of his symptoms and some of the things he's going through with medications. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, it's still him. It's still his stuff. It's still his choice. You know, you know, unless we lock him up in a hospital where they're going to manhandle him and make him take it or put an IV in him and make him take it. Um, brain injuries is about dealing with brain injuries is about adjusting and learning what the capacity is, the limitations are, what he's capable of doing, how it blends with his attitude, his ego, how all of those things cohabitate, how it blends with my family, my kids, me. Um, that is our treatment plan. And so to ignore him and say, you're going to do it. Number one, he's a grown person and I can't muscle him. And why would I want to? Um, and listen to them. It doesn't make them incapable of thinking and feeling and having thought and sharing it. It's the industry that deems them incapable. And that's a little unfair. Now, to the medical industry, they've been very gracious and kind. So they've worked with us as far as we've allowed them to work with us. So anyway, hope that helps. And if you ever have a question, just ask.